Hello and welcome back to Clarissa Explains Life, episode 10. I just have to give you a little bit of a trigger warning here. Today I am talking about mental health and mental ill health. And I know that parts of it I will be discussing can be triggering. So just to warn you if um, that you might hear something that might just be a bit upsetting to you. Uh, So I can't tell you what part because, you, you know, everyone is triggered in different ways but obviously it's it's a bit of a a, a tough one um, and I know I've been missing a little bit so you know I'm not affiliated with anyone but yeah I'm I suppose I'm still trying to find my feet of what these are about these podcasts I know it's Clarissa explains life and I talk about things to do with life in general and then from my point of view or my experiences or people in my life's experiences but um sometimes not that easy coming up with (laughs) subjects when I'm not interviewing someone and a lot of my life and my experiences are quite um I was going to say similar but that's the wrong word you know like for instance the weight loss podcasts that would be a big part of my life even though at the moment I'm kind of changing tack a little bit, but it's still part of who I am that I kind of spend time working on, well, I suppose maintaining my my weight more than anything. Then a bit of weight loss thrown in. Uh, a lot of, I'm working more on sort of being healthy and fitter and stronger. That's kind of how I'm going into my mid life I think you call the 50s I don't know oh that really hurt me to say that (laughs) you probably could hear that but today I've decided I want to talk about mental health so this might be a little bit triggering to some of you I'm just giving you a heads up again I am today talking about my experience and my mental health and my mental illness I suppose at times and how it has evolved and where I'm at now so that I will be touching on some subjects that might be a bit triggering to some of you just giving you the heads up I'm not going to go into anything too deep or heavy but I will be talking about various times in my life and my state of mind and what I have done or tried to do to I suppose I've always strove, striven, striven, strove to be better. So I'm lucky in that sense. Uh, But, you know, I've also had people in my life who have struggled for years with their mental health. And I so I probably will touch on supporting people who have who have ill mental health. Um, So I'm just going to start off by saying one of the things that I suppose not bothers me but that I notice about our our vocabulary around when someone has a, got a mental illness we talk about mental health in such a general terms but when someone is not well mentally we still talk about it as oh my mental health suffered or my mental health that's the right way to talk about it but we're afraid to say mental illness I am suffering with a mental illness and that makes me feel really sad it's still such a taboo subject and I know so many people are making great waves and moves towards destigmatizing people who have mental illnesses but I still there's still so much of a stigma and I I will come from the place of there's a reason behind everyone and their how they react and because that's the type of people I work with you know that's what I work with people and the reactions when I'm working coaching clients or doing neurolinguistic programs sorry neurolinguistic programming can't even say it but I also still think there's a huge, huge wall of stigmatising 
that needs to be removed or you know sort of pushed away or chipped away at when it comes to mental illness yeah I was going to say I do believe that people who are afraid of mental illness and afraid to talk about it or afraid to bring it up you know I think that's or even engage with people who are ill mentally and I I will hold my hands up I would be one of those people it's a it's how media and society and books and you know all over the years anyone who is not well mentally is someone to be in inverted commas feared you know whereas really they're they're the people that we should fear the least because you know all they're looking for is some sort of acceptance and some sort of feeling of belonging and some sort of you know just give them a little bit of tenderness and care and compassion but all we all we are is afraid you know i witnessed someone who wasn't well mentally recently and straight away social media had it up on the internet which is really hard to take you know it's really hard to see that i i always think think of that as if that was someone you loved you know that's just not 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 fair let's have a bit of compassion instead of laughing or judging these people is what i'm trying to say so yeah my own experience of mental health and mental unhealth i suppose uh, do you know what I I I remember when it was at its worst, and then I started to feel better, and I actually I still believe hand on heart that I had probably been unwell for mentally unwell for quite a long time along my years and I'm talking going back probably to my teenage years if if I'm honest um don't forget my teenage years were in the 80s you didn't have social media you didn't have internet you didn't have all the you know the information that we have nowadays you were I suppose you were literally depending on your doctor to you know be able to spot it and even at that I'm not sure I don't remember knowing what I'm sure I heard the word depression, but I'm not sure I I really knew that it could have, you know, there's different types of depression. Um, I do remember, uh, this is really weird, but I do have a memory of in my early 20s going to a doctor and I'm sure I I was trying to tell him that I was depressed but I, I don't, again, I don't really remember the outcome, but I do think I started to realise that that depression had started, as I said, in my teen years. Um, and I always say for anyone who, you know, who like that goes, lives with depression without really acknowledging it and gets through life, they have to be applauded. You know, I, I look back at that, that me now and I just want to give her a hug because I I as much as I don't remember I couldn't say to you I think I was de- or I was depressed then I'm sure I was depressed but I never acknowledged it and now I do and I'd like to go back and give that Clarissa a hug and you know say wow you know you you were so strong you got through it you lived you worked you you know you kept up jobs you you know do you know does that make sense does anyone relate to that even so moving on into the 90s and again I think I just I I know at this stage I was having quite a bit of counselling on and off not very regularly because I don't think I really found a counsellor that suited me I know I had tried to access counselling a couple of times um certainly for the um, childhood abuse I suffered with from and that was 
that first experience was actually very it was very traumatic not not just the childhood abuse I mean the trying to access counselling for what had happened to me and I didn't go back and seek help with that for a long time and I suppose I just sort of mooched along I just you know I partied in the late 80s early 90s you know I was but I was never someone who ever really lost control um you know there was always that tiny little element of having to keep a bit of control with whatever I experimented with and that I'm not going to start talking about it but yes I smoked I drank um and I was in London in the early 90s so there were other things but I always was too afraid and I think it's funny because I've often thought that is probably why I turned to food because I was too afraid to become dependent on alcohol to be- Become dependent on drugs I suppose not that I tried I mean I never tried any of the big hard stuff but you know I think I like I always just sort of kept there was always a level that I wouldn't go over and it's like that even with my weight I notice now there's I get to a certain point and I'm like no 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 that's getting too dodgy now I need to pull back it is part of being someone who has a controlling nature I suppose um I don't know what you know I still don't know whether you could say that's good or bad but I do think it probably saved me from going down a different road to escape my mental health or mental illness or you know my depression and I feel blessed that I had that little part of me even though sometimes it's to my detriment um so yeah then we come up to I got pregnant with my son. That was 1995. He was born 96. Um, I know I spent all of that pregnancy in a deep, deep state of anxiety. So anxiety is always, you know, it was always bubbling away with me. Definitely was always bubbling away. I And that's the control thing as well. That's where the people who have that little bit of a need for control makes them warriors it makes them anxious because you're always sort of trying to control what might happen um and i'm going to speak about that further on in this story you know about how i helped myself i suppose because that's all we can do so have my son and i definitely can tell you now looking back i not only had clinical depression but also definitely had postnatal depression I had it's a bit of a fog for me but I know that's you know early early parenthood is a fog for a lot of people but yeah I I what I do remember is now I adored my son I adored him he only asked me the other day what's easier having you know being a new parent to a newborn or having adult children because I have both have experienced both now and I said it's very you can't you can't compare the two because they're both so different having a newborn is a whole it's a whole big world of something that you could never imagine I mean I I was a childminder for years. I love children, love babies, very comfortable with children and babies, you know. Um, But it it never prepares you for being a parent yourself. It never, ever prepares you for that. And considering that my son was not a good sleeper, um, it was hard. It was hard. And just for your information, he's 25 the end of this week and he still is not a good sleeper so (laughs) what does that say but yeah I definitely I'd I'd say that's where my anxiety really started kicking off my anxiety I'm making it personal and that's one thing I really try to say to people and you'll hear experts say don't talk about as it's yours because you'll never let go of it so the anxiety that I suffered from definitely that's where it started um my relationship with my son's dad was not good I mean it was grand but really we probably well no we weren't meant to be together and 
you know, as much as our son brought us together, um, he wasn't in inverted commas planned, but he, I mean, he wasn't not planned. So there you go. I always say that, you know, when people say things like, oh, it was a mistake. Well, you know, wasn't really, but um, yeah, we, I was lucky enough to be able to buy my house when he was one years, no, when he was a baby, sorry. We, he was born the end of April and we moved in to this house the end of June. So I was very, very, very lucky that I was able to do that. But our relationship went downhill, you know, in the, the year, sort of year and a half following. And I, I have to say, I've never, I don't remember ever really blaming him. I remember being hard, like being so upset that our relationship didn't work because up until him I'd never had a relationship that worked and then here I here we are with a child and still couldn't make it work and uh, after a year and a half he left and I was on my own with my son um, and I kind of was in a very dark place mentally and I do know that and I remember that part of it but on the outside I was just about managing just about managing now my loved ones might be able to tell me a different story and I've never actually really asked them about it but I think I think we all knew that I was not in a good headspace and I kind of started to go down a road that probably wasn't very good for me I I started to engage in you know quite like without telling you all about it it was definitely um i was abusing myself you know and i'm like abusing myself and beat not being i didn't have any respect for myself that's the thing that's absolutely it i had no respect for myself i had no self-confidence i but on the outside maybe i showed it a little bit i don't think i did really i had no self-worth my self-worth was just none and I see pictures of myself now around that time and I look like a different person. I, you know, you can see the lack of self-worth that I had in myself. Um, and again, that makes me so sad because I did, I don't know, I was about to say I wasted all those years. I didn't. I still was a mother. I still did my best that I could at that time as a mother and I made huge mistakes I'll hold my hands up and I still beat myself up about some of them but at the end of the day I was doing my best as a mother I had uh, that I think that's why I'm so close to my own mother because she not that she took my children to give me a break but she supported me she was always there for me and I do remember that um but yeah, I definitely I was in a black black fog. I that everything was grey. The only thing I had any bit of brightness about was when I looked at my son. Like that literally he was my brightness. Um but I I yeah, I'm sure I struggled as a parent. I as I said my memory is so bad because I was obviously in the depths of quite a serious depress depressive uh, you know time so yeah um i met my daughter's father and we kind of i suppose you could say we were hooking up for a couple of months that that's all i can call it i can't i can't call it anything more at the time i was desperate that i want i thought i wanted a relationship with him um but really no nah. I didn't I didn't you know it was it was doomed from the start but then I got pregnant again and um I I always remember I said to him at the time I said look I do not I I don't think I could cope with being a single parent to two small children my son was four at this time well he was actually three and I said look and I again this is a trigger I'm just going to say it I probably would have considered going to England at at that time um, 
and I, I put that to him and he said no no I'll stick around now as I said we'd only been sort of hooking up for about two and a half months and it wasn't even you know it was a bit oh god I'm just <laughs> when I think about it I'm I'm actually when I think about it I get really ashamed that's what comes up for me a huge amount of shame and that's why I'm, I said at the beginning I think like really we have to just when we look in from the outside at people who are really struggling and behaving in ways that we think are not good for them a bit of compassion goes a long way because I should be looking at, back at myself now and being compassionate I think that's why I'm getting a bit upset because the me now today would would want to hug that that person and say you were doing your best you know maybe sometimes I wasn't doing my best either but anyway he said he'd stick around we told everyone and then he fecked off when I was three months pregnant three and a half months pregnant he disappeared and I mean literally disappeared um, I do know that at one stage I went to his workplace because he had gone he basically ghosted me and he had gone you know and I knew where he worked and I arrived there one night after closing friend drove me up actually and um, I walked in and he was with another woman that was that was kind of it for me then um, and yeah so anyway went through the pregnancy and I know I definitely struggled I definitely did I was still working by the way through this I worked part time and I suppose they were probably quite supportive as well I I don't remember again I don't really remember I think it's just so traumatising um, but a friend of mine moved in at the time he he moved in and he was in my spare room he was lovely He and he still is to this day I suppose I think of him more like a brother than anything else and I think he probably got me through some very 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 tough times at that stage um, but I, I know he was there anyway the morning I went into labour and mum was my birth partner so I went into labour with Macy and he was there and he stayed with Ted and got him to his dad's and uh, Macy came along and again best you know best feeling I just like I adore my two children I can't even begin to say how much I adore the two of them uh, there's, there's aspects of you see now that they're both adults that I struggle with you know because they are adults um, but I still adore them and I continue to say that to this day those two children saved my life absolutely I I know that when Macy like I after Macy was born yes it was grand but I was a mother I was on my own with two chil two small children uh, under the age of um, four five four four three and four and I yeah it was again oh I'm getting upset <laughs> anyway again um, I don't really have memories of that time I, th I definitely know the depression took a, a major downturn I mean it went into anxiety disorder which is basically what happened then um, for the for the year after Macy was born I was very lucky I had a great childminder for Macy because I had to go to back back then it was go back to work after four months um, and yes yeah, she was she was really great really wonderful support but I yeah I, I I remember little bits but I don't remember I I can it's the same I look at pictures and I can see myself in the pictures but that's about it I have flashes of times but nothing really I think my mind was just shutting down if the truth be told um, but those two as I said they that's why I I still love them so much I forgive them for everything because they got me through that and they pulled me through it 
Um, but I, I got to a stage where I was having multiple panic and anxiety attacks. I was, well, I was just constant. I was just one big anxiety. I was, I was walking around with anxiety constantly. Now I had started going to my doctor. I do think before I had Macy, I had got, I just have to say I had started on an antidepressant. I think it was Prozac. So before, so six, I, I can't remember, but I was on an antidepressant before I had Macy or got pregnant with Macy, then obviously came off it and then had Macy. And then I, like I hand on heart, know I had postnatal depression with her. Again, it was never really picked up too much. And I'm not saying it wasn't picked up by... I'm not saying it wasn't picked up by my loved ones because I'm sure they were looking at me and I'm sure it was said to me, maybe you should go to the doctor because I did go to the doctor. But when I went after Macy, when I went and I was having anxiety, he gave me a calmer. I It started with L. It wasn't Lexapro. It wasn't antidepressant at that stage, but it definitely started with an L. I remember that. And I, within sort of, Macy was born in June, I suppose within six months of Macy being born and I'd been back to him a few times and I'm looking back now and he, I think he was just throwing the cameras at me and I was just taking more and more and more. I was waking up in the middle of the night, like three or four in the morning, in the midst of a panic attack and taking the calmer and then you know, I gave up. I remember giving up coffee because of the jitters, real coffee. I drank decaf, but back then you could hardly get any decaf. So that was a bit, bit miserable. It was 20 years ago. Um, and then, yeah, I've spoken about this before, but it got to just before Christmas. Macy, I remember Macy, I do remember this so clearly. Macy was in a push chair and I was doing some shopping. I was downtown. It was really busy, really busy because it was just, it was, so it was probably December. We're probably talking about December. And I had one of the worst panic attacks that I think I've ever experienced. And I rang mum. I was in the car park. I rang mum. I was just... I couldn't, I could barely speak. And she said, you're going to have, yeah, I, I think this is how it turned out. She said, ring the doctor, rang the doctor, got an emergency appointment, went up. And because the cameras weren't even working at this stage, like that's how bad the, the, that it was. Like, you know, it wasn't, um, it wasn't Xanax. It was, but definitely started with something like cameras, but it was started, I'm, I'm nearly sure it started with L. Anyway. Uh, yeah, he, that was the day he put me on antidepressants and I remember, I think we went, I went, met mum for a cup of tea afterwards and I was just crying, sobbing, crying because it just, I'm, you know, anyone who's struggled with anxiety and, and panic attacks is so frightening, so frightening. So I know I I think I was put on Lexapro back then. I'm nearly sure it was, or it was like one of those, um, that family. It could have been the one that starts with the C. You see, I don't have much of a memory of all this, but anyway, started taking it. And just before Christmas, the panic attacks were just the worst. I mean, they were just so bad. The anxiety, as any of you who have ever taken antidepressants or anti you know you know that sometimes they can make you feel worse before they make you feel better and I knew that so I was lucky enough to know that but um I think I again I, I remember going on this is what I remember going back to the doctor and him starting he wrote me this my doctor I'm not going to name him but he used to sit with his back to you he wouldn't turn his chair to you his back, his his desk was against a wall and very he might turn to you but then he was like it was back to you so you were talking to a back and I remember he I was saying how awful I felt and I just couldn't you know just couldn't take it anymore blah blah no I wasn't saying I was suicidal because I wasn't 
And again, I thank my kids for that because that's what stopped me ever. I remember going to, you know, mental health teams and them saying that. And I'd go, no, not at all. It was never an option for me. But um, he wrote me this prescription. And he, when I looked at it, it was like antipsychotic. And there was um, like all these really heavy duty meds. There was about three different ones he had prescribed me and I looked at them and I thought no no I'm not taking them I am not taking them and I I will you know I'm just going to really keep pushing on with my antidepressant and I did so got through Christmas I don't know must have been a haze because I don't I think there is a picture of me that Christmas and somewhere oh my god yeah um so the next thing I remember was get the first time I started to feel better and I was out walking it was a crisp winter day I had Macy in a buggy Ted must have been at his dad's and I was walking I'll never forget where I was walking either and I remember suddenly stopping and going, oh my God, I can see colour again. And everything was so much brighter. The grey haze was lifting. And that was the first time I actually, I actually was like, I'm turning a corner here. I cannot tell you how happy that made me feel that day because it did make me feel happy. I was beginning to start to feel feel something again and to see colours again. And yeah, it was from that day on anyway, I, I just got, you know, I started to get better. And I now at that time I was engaging with the local mental health team I was engaging with the local health, mental health nurse who was helping me with the anxiety and how to deal with that. And I was engaging with my doctor really, you know, regularly. I had stopped drinking. I had stopped smoking. And I was really trying to work on looking, getting the best out of the medication that I could. Let it do its job. And I say that time and again to people let the medication do its job you know you have to pull back from alcohol you have to pull back from things that don't serve you now I'm not saying I went on a big health kick you know but I've always eaten quite well I may be overweight but I've always eaten quite well when I've eaten well the times that I don't eat well is when I've turned to food as a drug or a comfort or whatever you want to call it so um yeah, I that yeah, so from then on it kind of started to get better for me. Life definitely started to get better. I started to get myself you know, more in order and I just yeah, really focused on my kids, focused on me. Um I met PJ when well my well my son would have been eight and my daughter was four and I had spent basically five years of my life just getting myself better four years I suppose um, I wasn't going I didn't go out with anyone literally didn't go out with anyone and don't get me wrong before I met met um, PJ my partner I was wanted to go out with someone at, after five years of not being with anyone I was looking you know I was looking for a relationship but um, yeah it was me and the kids and I just was working hard on getting well and healthy so yeah that brings us up to like what so over the years I came off my antidepressants after about I think about four or five years I came off them but no it was less than that it was about three years but what happened was I had come off them say in the spring and what happened was we got around to say September 
late September, early October, and I started to feel that, you know, the symptoms starting to come back up again. The anxiety had started, the depression, I definitely started to feel more depressed. So I went back to my doctor. I changed doctors at this stage. I was with my wonderful doctor who I'm with to to this day. We had a chat and she put me on a very sort of low dose antidepressant then again. And I stayed on that for about a year and felt better. Very lucky. I feel very lucky and blessed that I did. Um, again, weaned myself, came off, weaned off with her support and guidance, weaned off it again, was grand for a while. And then I had one more and what it probably is now, what I look back is, was probably seasonal affective disorder. So I had one more bout of that, um, and then I haven't, thankfully, I haven't had to take antidepressants in probably about, I'd say, 14 years. Um, yeah, and I feel very, very, very blessed and lucky about that. I really do. I can't, you know. Now, there are times when my mental health or has sort of gotten, has has suffered a little bit. But thankfully, I've been able to work through it. Also, I'd like to point out um, people who are listening to this, who follow me on Instagram. I have had times where I've spoken that I've been going through a low patch and thinking if. But I've always been very aware of my moods, but very aware of how how my moods are. And I've always said if ever if ever, ever I thought that my mood was starting to dip again, I would have no hesitation. You know, if it, it, actually, if it dipped, if it dipped again and stayed dipped for more than a certain period, I would have no hesitation going back to my doctor and going back on an antidepressant. I think if you are clinically depressed and there is a reason, you know, if, some people get depression that's reactionary. So you're talking about a breakup or you lose your job or so you lose someone and you're grieving and that can lead to a depression. You know, there are reasons that antidepressants don't always work. And I'm not a doctor and I'm not saying do not take them. The best person to speak to is your doctor. And if you have a good doctor, all the better, because they won't jump and throw medication at you. They will be able to tell whether you actually need the medication or whether you need counselling and then maybe go for medication or see, you know. So I again, what I'm saying is do not take. I'm not saying you shouldn't take it because I am a so pro medication if you need it but I do also believe that when you go to your GP if you're feeling depressed you've got to be honest with them as well and sometimes you do just need to sit down and start counselling and talk out your issues because they can weigh you down just as much Um, and the other part of it is I really have to make this point while I'm on here on my podcast as a 52 year old woman in your 40s as a woman there is every chance that you will start to feel changes in your mood changes in how you feel changes in how you you know in like in your yeah in your mood and your abilities and your sleep and all those things and again I would beg and implore you go and speak to a good doctor who knows about things like menopause um, because, like, if you read up on it, women can be perimenopausal for up to 10 years before actual menopause. And this is what happened to me. I don't know if I mentioned it when I talked about ageing, but this happened to me about, I think it's four years ago now. So I was about 47, 48. And I noticed that my mood was quite I was very moody. I was going to say my mood was low, but it wasn't. But I was having these mood swings. Like I go from being happy and content and suddenly I would want to rip the head off someone. And this was, it became a pattern and my sleep wasn't great. And I was aching. My body was aching all the time, aching joints. I just had aches and pains. Um, And I suppose... 
to start with, it didn't. First of all, I thought, oh, my God, I think my depression or the depression is rising up in me again. And I did because it does depression and perimenopause or menopausal symptoms feel very similar and don't like I had a marina coil so I didn't have a monthly bleed so that would normally be an indication of you going into menopause is that your periods start to become erratic and you miss one you know if you're around that age but I didn't because I had the coil so I had no clue so it never really occurred to me and then the penny dropped and I was kind of like I was 47 ish 46 47 I thought hang on a second what's going on here so no I was it was about actually no I tell a lie (laughs) that probably all started then but I didn't really go to the doctor till about two years ago I think that's how long I've been on HRT yeah anyway the penny dropped and I thought this is not depression this because I knew what depression felt like I kept saying that to people around me I know what depression feels like and this is not depression I you know And this is the other thing, people, some doctors who aren't up on menopause and stuff are very quick to um, prescribe antidepressants when actually a woman is starting into menopause or perimenopause. So just if you are that person, that age group, and you've you've had sort of depression or struggled with your mental health before, and you feel, oh my God, is this it coming back? Don't always jump on the fact that it could be. You know, think like go, go and Google menopause symptoms that I've talked till I'm blue in the face about. There's a website called the Menopause Doctor. She Louise Newsom is the doctor's name. She has all the most up to date information about HRT and menopause. And I think there's a part on her site that you can tick that can give you an indication of whether you are menopausal. So, um, yeah, I I know so many women who have gone to their doctor and just been prescribed antidepressants when actually they weren't depressed. They were just starting into menopausal symptoms. So I had to put that little caveat in there. So, yeah, um, thankfully, I've been good mentally. You know, I suppose I'm going to talk about chemically mentally because mine was very classic chemical or you know depression is it chemical depression clinical which ergo is chemical so it was very classically uh, just my serotonin was at a low it needed topping up and those three times that I was on antidepressants that's what I was given I feel I've been stable for quite a long time now thank goodness because it it is there are studies that show that once you've been had you know clinical depression it can come back it you know there's and with each bout it can come back more if you know what I mean so the more you've had had clinical depression the more likely it is that you're going to struggle with it again but touch wood thankfully I'm in a good place I will say that um one of the other things that really 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 did help me over the years was finding a good counsellor and I yeah I I actually ended up going to It's Good to Talk here in Wexford Town so if there's that type of a service where you live they're they're so good so helpful um they'd only just set up here when I accessed them but I I was paired with this counselor he was amazing and he helped me through so much of my stuff now I've had counselling over the years I honestly have with different counsellors but he was kind of the one that really turned my the corner helped me turn my corner and I got a lot of insight from him about myself and the way I was but I still really struggled you know struggled with myself and being too hard on myself beating myself up being a perfectionist raising the bar and no matter how sometimes no matter how much you can and worrying by the way hyper worrying but no matter how much you you talk it all out I mean 
I can I've often said to my own clients that come to me now I say I I went for counseling I had so much counseling over the past 15 years I suppose that I kind of am numb to talking about my that's why I love doing this podcast and I love talking about things because I'm numb to talking about the the stuff that's happened to me in my life I can you know but um over the years I've still it was it was almost like I had this little piece of a jigsaw that just or this little weight on my shoulder that I just couldn't quite no matter how much I talked or went for to different counselors I just still had that little piece sort of or big part of me that just wasn't you know I kept saying oh, I just want to be I just want to feel free I don't want to be this hyper warrior I didn't want that now I wasn't really having anxiety anymore I still have little touches of it but that's natural like I'll get a phone call and someone say oh, I have bad news and I'll go <gasps> but that's you were meant to feel that you know but um, just to round it all off with just giving myself a little self-promotion when I discovered QTT quantum thinking technology um, with Moira Geary that's where my life changed and my thinking and my behaviours now again if you're watching me if you're listening to me and you've come to this from my personal um, Instagram you've kind of probably gone yeah but some days you come on you're miserable now just hear me out we're all meant to have misery sometimes no if I would be actually that's a story I remember going back to my doctor once and after it was my second antidepressant or was it my first and she had started working there actually it was my first and she had started working there and I chose to go and see her and I remember sitting in front of her and it was about three months after I had started on the antidepressants and I sat in front of her and I was like oh she was like what's wrong and I said I don't know I have it's just I'm not happy all the time like I have days where I feel miserable and days where you know and I just and she looked at me she said stop Clarissa Clarissa she said if you came in here to me and said I'm happy all the time she didn't sing but I'm singing she said I would be a lot more worried than if you than you come in here and sitting here and saying you had a couple of bad days you know this we're all human beings and this is what I have to try and say to my clients when I finish with them I you know or even before I start with them bring their expectations down because QTT having a QTT release is so powerful and it's so freeing and lifts all those old weights off your shoulders but I always have to make it clear to them and say look you're not going to walk out the door with fairies and unicorns and sparkles you know floating around your head and that you never feel sad again or you never feel angry or anxious or you know that's not what I do what I do is help get rid of the sludge from all the memories that haven't been good you know it's like you know clearing out the the old feelings and emotions from memories that just aren't serving you you know but you still have those memories but just those old feelings aren't in it and that's where I'm finishing off because when I came across Moira Geary and it was down to a lovely friend of mine I couldn't drive at the time I'd had major surgery on my foot and this friend said to me do you fancy going to Limerick for this for a day um there's a book launch this woman is doing a book launch and I was like oh I'd I'd go anywhere I'd, I would have gone anywhere done anything just to get out for the day so off we went and I'd never heard of Moira Moira and I thought fair enough you know googled her before we went and I was like oh yeah I like the sound of her you know she was about sort of the, you know letting go of old feelings and emotions and stuff so off we went anyway and to try and cut a very long story short uh now i can look back 
being a practitioner of QTT, I can look back and see where I, Clarissa, made a huge mistake. But towards the end, she said, right, I'm going to gift you all a release. You know, not gift you, but I'm going to give you all a release now and show you how wonderful this is. So pick something that doesn't quite, a feeling that you, you know, something that doesn't, or an event that you've had that, you know, makes you feel a bit, whatever, sort of overwhelmed or sad or anything. Now, Clarissa decides to pick one of the most traumatic events of her life to do a release on. Now, looking back, I'm like, oh, my God, no wonder it didn't work. (laughs) So anyway, she did it and it got to the end. And everyone, she said, now open your eyes. And everyone was sitting going, oh, my God, that was amazing. I feel so much better now. And all I felt was rage. I felt rage because I felt nothing. I hadn't felt a relief, a release, none of it. And I was sitting there seething and I was like, oh my God, I, I had to say something. So I put my hand up and I, and she went, yes. And I said, oh, I'm really sorry, but I got nothing from that. And she said, do you mind coming up to me? Now there is video somewhere online of this, all this happening. So I'm not lying here. So she brought me up and she, you know, so she went through these, the the motions with me. And I, as I said, it's only looking back now and I'm like, aha, that's what was going on. So um, she she did a bit of a, a release on me then more. I think what I released more was the anger and bitterness I had. It hadn't worked on me. So the next day she actually rang me and she actually went through a few more sort of um, techniques with me just to sort of let go of the the stuff. And then I discovered that she actually ran courses to do what she did. And I thought, you know what? I want to do that. I want to be able to help others to feel the way how good I felt after being with her. So that's how I came to QTT, which is actually wonderful and if you're interested at all you can find me on Clarissa Coot Coaching on Facebook and Instagram so yeah there we go I got rid of the sludge and I got rid of the shit that was holding me back the sludge I call it the sludge because it was the sludge of feelings and emotions that were stored in my memories that were just trying it was all about my subconscious trying to keep me safe and that's what behaviors are about whether they be good or bad unless you are actually a certified psychopath anyone anyone who is behaving in any manner that you look at and you go oh my god why can't they just shake themselves out of it or why are they behaving like that or why are they doing that try looking at them from a place of sort of more compassion and go what is there what's behind that why are they behaving in that way what safety are they trying to create or is their subconscious trying to create for them because that's what it's about it's about your subconscious mind trying to it's kind of propelling you to behave in a certain way because it thinks from old experiences that that is the way will keep you safe even though consciously you're there going well this is not the right thing to be doing eating this food is not the right way to to help me lose weight but I feel like shit so I'm going to eat the food or drink the drink or take the drug because subconsciously your subconscious mind is going you have felt safe doing this before you this has brought you comfort before this has made you feel not feel the feeling anymore so let's you know now Again, you could be listening to this and going, I follow her on Instagram and she's all, you know, she's had times where she talks about, I'm going to do a podcast on binge eating another time, but um, I'm I'm definitely, my behaviours have changed since since I've started doing more work on that part of me. Um, And it is self-work because that's all I can do. The thing about food and eating is that we have to eat to survive and it's a very complex um i suppose if you want to put a label on it addiction food addiction is so complex because you can't just stop eating 
Like you can stop drinking alcohol, you can stop smoking cigarettes, you can stop taking drugs and it won't be detrimental to your health. In fact, it will be good for your health. But you can't just stop eating. Yes, you can stop eating the bad, the food that isn't as nutritious, but it's all very intertwined. So anyway, that's for another podcast. So I'm going to finish off here with this episode. And I suppose what I really what I want to say is to anyone who's listening who went through that shit time with me and supported me and stood by me and helped be my be the scaffolding for me because that's what I refer supporters to these days if you're supporting someone who is struggling with their mental health I can hear my dogs barking in the background you're their scaffolding you're holding them up you're giving them the support and always remember no matter how badly they treat you, they're treating themselves even more badly. That's really bad grammar. They're treating themselves worse mentally. They don't want to be like that. Even if they aren't making moves to get better, they still don't want to be that person. So sometimes a little compassion even can go a long way. And sometimes compassion can be walking away from someone and saying, I can't be the part you're being compassionate for yourself by saying I can't be your scaffolding and your support anymore because it's affecting you so don't be afraid to be that person either because it's all about boundaries and support and protection but I do want to thank those who supported me who let me be their punch bags metaphorically who never gave up on me because that got me to where I am today and I will always be grateful for that including my doctor including my family including my children um so yeah I'm going to end that that here but um just yeah before I go just remember there are so many supports out there today there are so many supports for mental health there's still not enough and we know that I'm not going to go down that road but if you are struggling with any feelings that are hurting you mentally at the moment, please, please go and speak to your doctor or contact the 5808. Um, I think it's 5808. I should have written it down. I'm going to keep talking and Google it just while I'm here. But, you know, contact. First of all, your doctor is your good portocol. Eight oh eight no, five, yeah five eight oh eight, I think it is, isn't it? Yeah, so five, no five zero. So there's you can text if you don't want to speak to someone, but you're feeling like you need to talk about something, or, you know, something is really dragging you down. There's a wonderful service, and I have actually used this service in the past year with the pandemic and everything twice when I didn't want to talk to friends or family about something that was bothering me or bringing me down and it did really help because I was able to talk it out or text it out so text 50808 that again google it and all you have to do is text the word hello in capitals and you will get that service you've got all the services like um, Pieta House there's, the Samaritans are wonderful you know please please don't ever feel like you're alone there is support there it's just having the courage to access the support and they won't judge you so you know please do that as I said I had I in the past year I have contacted that text support a couple of times so it's no shame you know like we're all human you can find contentment in your life and that with contentment you can you experience happiness you experience sadness you experience joy you experience fear but that's where I'm at today I found my place of contentment um so on that note I'm going to end the podcast now and thank you so much for listening and you know what I'm going to say please rate wherever you listen to your podcast please give me a rating or a like or a shout out I you know it, I do appreciate it um, and I, if it helps one person then I'm a happy person
So until the next time, thank you for listening and goodbye.